Hello and welcome to Dreadcast, an audiobook podcast series featuring original short stories. Our first story is about a boy carrying out the chores given to him by a strange uncle and what he finds in his stranger house. Enjoy. Dreadcast Audio presents Closing Curtains, written and narrated by Sheza Shah. a.m., 10th of September, 2004. Bill awoke, glassy-eyed, as sweat rinsed through his warm, pale skin. A ringing sensation pinged through one ear to the other. He rubbed his eyes to break from his semi-conscious daze. Oh, shit. He thought to himself out loud. Something left him uneasy, a feeling in the back of his mind, slowly approaching him like a stranger you might see in the distance, who turns out to be someone very familiar. He soaked his brain in the memories laid across the floor of his half-woken mind, squeezing the thoughts out like a wet sponge, trying to remember why he felt so restless. Bill's family had left it in a funeral, back in their native country. They had immigrated from Crimea to England before Bill was born. Though Bill would have had to stay behind as school started soon, he was reluctant to. Not from desire to attend the funeral, no, he didn't mind. He'd never met his late relative Aspis, though Bill had heard her name creep up in family conversations over the years. He wasn't exactly sure how they related and never really bothered to inquire. At this point, he felt stupid to ask. What truly frightened Bill was returning to high school. In primary school, Bill cemented his reputation as a wannabe class clown who tried far too hard to make others laugh. And they did. At him. Bill often came across as weird due to his rather macabre sense of humour. If comedy was tragedy plus timing, Bill had a broken watch. Bill was a clown, and sure, a clown can make for good entertainment, but nobody respects the clown. School was like the circus. Most would hide behind masks of sincerity and adorn themselves in the robes of arrogance, though Bill was considered the freak. Why don't people like clowns? Perhaps the reason people are afraid of them is what they must imagine what they are like when nobody's watching. Their wicked grins and luminous eyes. What must they be like when they take off their paint? Bill's paint had long faded. Children could be cruel, but there was cruelty and then there was smug Sally tones, Satan in a satin ribbon. Bill made a joke about her once and Sally didn't exactly take it in the best way. She had it out from ever since, hiding his clothes off to pee and tripping him to the floor in the cafeteria, to the amusement of his classmates, of course. On some level, Bill was as glad he could make people laugh. Bill's uncle knew he was a lonely child and thought a pet would help fill the void. For some reason, Bill's odd uncle bought him a pet worm of all things. A horrid little thing, slimy and black like tar. But Bill grew quite fond of it. He named it Vlad because it tried to bite him once. Do worms have teeth? He even hid it in his little backpack to substitute as a friend at school. Sally must have seen him take it out one day. She ignited a rumour that Bill was some kind of weirdo who ate worms and that little Vlad the worm was his lunch. It didn't help that Bill did carry the thing in a plastic Tupperware container. Now, a little rumour didn't seem all that bad. Not until everyone believed her and wouldn't even sit in his general area during lunch, avoiding him like a virulent strain of disease. Even the teachers gave him funny looks. Even in high school, people still remembered and Bill would be tormented by the label of Worm Boy. One particular night, Bill was riding home on his rusty old bike, where he was followed by some of the boys from high school. 
From there, all Bill could remember was an argument that broke into a struggle, where Bill found himself collapsed onto the ground, held down by the pack of wolves that they were, retching and gagging on the fistful of worms they shoved down his throat. If Bill ever forgot that moment, which he never would, of course, he could always just watch the video they recorded and sent to the other students. From then on, his breaks were spent hiding in the school toilets, fearing ridicule. Now fully awake, Bill recalled that what was worrying him was his uncle. His uncle, who only lived across the road and trusted him to look after his house, with one simple rule. Always, and I mean always, remember to open the curtains every morning and close them before it gets dark. Don't forget, Bill, no matter what. His uncle spoke sternly, looking directly into Bill's eyes as he did. This made Bill nervous. He wished to look away, but his uncle's primal gaze pulled Bill towards the earthy green of his eyes. It was almost magnetic, certainly not the first time he'd seen that look. Uncle Jacob was often mundane, even more so since his wife Clarice had passed in the accident. Whatever that accident was, he never spoke about it. He rarely spoke, but when he did, you could be sure that he meant every word. He was a rather old-fashioned man, didn't like to let anything go to waste. His home was proof of this, filled with broken trinkets and oddities meticulously resurrected by his leathery instrumental hands. Uncle Jacob, a man who believed in not wasting anything, especially not his breath. As it got dark that night, a terrible storm erupted through the sky. Lightning tore through the black pages of the night, the violent crack of thunder bellowing incessantly. The rain flooded down in a biblical fashion, the dull base of rainfall beating onto the ground shook through the window of Bill's bedroom. It sounded like the drums of war, the sky proclaiming a violent declaration. Bill knew he had to fulfill the duty given to him by his uncle, but there was no way he'd go out in that kind of weather. No way. Bill had decided to wait until the storm subsided, before he would go over to his uncle's house. He lay on his lonely single bed, barely paying attention to the noisy colour of the programme bleeding across the television in front of him. The volume was turned low, but he left the television on anyway for its company. The monotonous audio of what could barely be recognised as a conversation dripped from the television and gently trickled into his ears. However, it would soon be drowned out, as his eyelids grew heavy and the sound of the TV was now something like mumbling heard in the street. Background noise. Until it was gone, and he was asleep. It was the longest he'd ever left it, and now only the ghost of the storm lingered. A light pitter-patter flickering from the sky as if there were a leaky faucet in the clouds. It was unusual for Bill to forget. He briefly considered leaving it for the night. Surely one night with the curtains left open wouldn't be too bad. But the neighbourhood wasn't exactly the friendliest. He remembered a robbery that took place years ago when he was still in primary school, only a few streets away. A girl in his class, that girl, Sally Tones, explained to her friends how someone had broken into her house while she slept, clearly enjoying the attention they tail gave her. She exaggerated the story to the amazed oohs and ahs of the other children. Bill eavesdropped on her story, pretending not to pay attention. He fantasised a confrontation between the girl and the burglar. She would be brushing her teeth, preparing to go to bed, when she would notice the sullen eyes of a man pouring out of the black balaclava that would otherwise camouflage him into the dark, until he burst through the two dimensions of the pitch black into the light of the bathroom so he could carve the girl like a butcher in barbecue season. Bill didn't like her particularly. He pulled on his grey joggers and grabbed two sets of keys, one for his house, the other's uncle's. As he scurried down the stairs, he grabbed a hooded jacket and slipped on his black trainers before unlocking the front door. He moved from a rush scurry into a calm stumble as the night stole his focus. Empty.
not a sound to be heard, no one in sight, untitled like a blank document, a of its words. The road echoed a familiar loneliness as it sat between Bill and his uncle's house, until he carefully paced across it, keeping an eye out, not for cars, but for people. Bill was thirsty to get this over and done with as soon as possible. The thing about a storm, you can't be sure of its re-emergence, like beautiful revenge. Before long, Bill stood outside of his uncle's house, an appropriately old-fashioned brick-and-mortar building, reminiscent of what could have been a small church at one point. Glancing through the front window, he could see the silhouette of the home's innards, coated in shadow which was otherwise faded by the dripping of moonlight. It was like looking through the cold, blue eyes of a cadaver. The harsh sepia tone was mesmerising and sincerely uninviting. Bill approached the door. He carefully selected the key from among the set, desperately hoping it was the right one so that he wouldn't have to spend any time longer than necessary. He carefully selected one of the keys and pierced the lock of his uncle's door, twisting the key in a powerful stroke. To his fortune, Bill heard the lock click and he pushed past the door to find himself in the contemporary ruins of his uncle's home, lightly glowing from the streams of moonlight bleeding through the undressed windows. A congregation of fragmented ornaments, raised from the grave, prostrated in every corner of Uncle Jacob's home. Everything was set in its place, religiously organised in a manner almost too perfect, which only highlighted the tiny imperfections that were visible on closer inspection. Down the hall, opposite a large window, the basement door glowed a shade of lunar blue, uniform across its face except for a large scar, a crack in the wood which stood out like chink in its armour. The light of the moon baptised the room as Bill raised his hand to the nearest light switch, though the result was nothing. The light stayed off, like empty caskets dangling from the ceiling. Bill assumed that the storm must have affected the wiring of the house. It seemed reasonable as the house wasn't in the greatest of conditions. Bill left the door open. Somehow it seemed safer to do so. He took out his phone and used it as a flashlight, holding it close to himself with an uncomfortably tight grip, as if for defence. He felt rather silly, this was a place he'd been many times before, but for some reason, the house felt different, like a perversion of itself. Bill felt like an apostate standing in the house of God. Conversely, the idea of the devil came to Bill. The devil was once a follower of God, a devout worshipper given status among angels, so it confused Bill why the devil was so popularly portrayed as different to holy imagery. Bill imagined him to be a shining example, crowned with an ever so slightly crooked halo, and that if the devil made himself a home on earth, it would probably look a lot like a place of worship. Though it would be distorted, somehow imperfect, it would probably look a lot like this house. The light from Bill's phone ate away at the dark, burning stronger than the moonlight. Bill created a bridge of light between himself and the flight of stairs across the room. The peculiar sound of churning echoed lightly, sounding almost like a groan, halting Bill's careful footsteps. Probably just the neighbours. Bill continued to walk past the basement door and towards the stairs until he realised something. His legs froze from instinct. Uncle doesn't have neighbours. Then it was gone. The sound was no longer audible. Wherever it was, it was gone. Perhaps it was conscious of Bill's presence. Probably just an animal, a rat or something. For all he knew, a rat could have made those strange noises, and this idea gave life to Bill's legs, and he continued to move tilting his phone upwards to reveal cobwebs in the low-hanging ceiling above the stairs. Bill ducked his head, trying to keep his gaze forwards and continued up the stairs and into a bedroom, open due to the lack of a door. This was not Uncle Jacob's room. That was across the hall, bound by a lock. 
all of the rooms in the house were bound by lock. Every single one. Though, none of the keys given to Bill would work in his uncle's room. Nor most of the rooms. This only strengthened Bill's imprisoned curiosity. The room Bill stood in was a bedroom in only name. Not even that, it was completely empty. Not a single piece of furniture, not even a carpet to adorn the wooden floorboards. Though it did have a window with curtains laid to each side. Bill laid his phone on the ground, disarming himself, and rushed to close the curtains. In his urgency, Bill tugged at the curtains a little too hard, and the rings that held them to the pole snapped and they flung themselves to the ground, resulting in a vibrant knock that took Bill by surprise. It made a lot of noise for just a curtain. It shook through the whole house like it was shouting for help. Bill panicked and flung the curtain over the pole at the top of the window's frame and rushed out of the room. The noise shook Bill as if it struck a match in a room full of gas. Bill felt the crest of eyes from every direction. Anxiety pulsated through his body. It was enough to make his eyes water. He descended the staircase as fast as he could without breaking into a sprint, making sure not to glance back up to the top of the stairs. Bill hurried past the basement, pushing his door shut before making his way to the opposing curtains to retract them. His duty was fulfilled. He did what he said he would do, and now there was no reason to spend any longer in this insidious institution. Relieved, Bill walked through the front door into the realm of safety. Closing the door, Bill produced a set of keys and attempted to lock it. He was not as lucky this time around, choosing the wrong key. To Bill's frustration, every key in the set looked like the previous and none of them seemed to be the right one. Why the hell does Uncle Jacob have to have so many damn keys? None of them work on the rooms inside the house. Do they all have to look the same? Is that a rule? Annoyed, Bill fumbled around with the keys, tossing them around the ring that housed them. Bill's eyes wandered to his right where they were acquainted with a woman standing a few metres away by the road. Her face was poised towards the ground, clothed by flat black hair, which made it difficult to place her face, especially in the dark. The moon was raised directly behind her as she seemed to soak in its radiance. The light embellished her as she wore its colour on the outline of her figure. The woman stood silently with her arms apart. Was it a woman? The way it held itself didn't help Bill identify it. It could have been a man with long hair, but for some reason Bill thought it was a woman. Was she looking at Bill? Hello? 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 The words failed to leave Bill's mouth. He attempted to speak, but nothing made it past his lips. The keys in Bill's hands were pulled to the ground as his hands lost their motion. Bill didn't notice, not until the keys landed on his foot and broke his concentration. She raised her head. It poised itself towards Bill. What Bill mistook for a person was now evident to be nothing of the sort. It was like a serpent wearing the flesh of a woman, swaying inside its carcass, animating the body like a puppet to pursue a charade of humanity. The scarred grey skin was held together by thread. It gave the illusion of scales, like a lizard. No, something far more treacherous, a dragon. The ancient serpent, a reflection of the devil. Its eyes, bulged from the stained sockets, drilled into its face, rattling around the skull like those you might see in a children's toy. It opened the crevice in its face, what could only be described as its mouth, unhinging its jaws, its skin wrinkled and folded. Bill writhed in agony as a venomous shriek filled his ears, warm blood ran down the sides of his face. Except it didn't make a noise. It just stood there, its body pulsating, its mouth open, but it was not screaming. The very sight of the creature concussed Bill. The shrieking was a manifestation of the purest form of terror screaming into Bill's mind until it did make a noise. A familiar groan echoed through the vacuum of the night. It was oddly soothing. Before he could distinguish the creature any further, Bill darted like a small animal trying to break the links of the food chain, sprinting faster than he could, knowing even without looking behind him that it was close. 
He ran and ran and ran, leaving behind only the sound of his feet crashing against the stone pathways and the ghost of his breath which briefly warmed the air behind him. He had been running for a while now. Perhaps it was enough. Though he could not keep this up, not for long. Bill wasn't particularly athletic. One could argue that he was the opposite, in fact. Soon his legs would start to ache and his lungs would lose stock of his breath. He ran through the narrow gaps between the streets that laced the area, winding through each crevice in the hope that he could elude whatever was in pursuit. It had to be long gone by now, right? He stopped to catch his breath where he returned only to find the relentless beast only a few meters away, coming towards him, grunting and wheezing through the dead of night. It rode towards him confidently. Bill would have even seen it smile at him, but in his desperation he was looking elsewhere, searching the area, looking for a way to stop it. He slowly reached out his hand and grabbed a brick laying by the wall where he stopped to catch his breath. He swung his arm and the brick flew through the air, landing straight on the creature's face, bludgeoning one of its eyes and chipping a few of its teeth that hung loosely in its mouth. They were stuck together by the glue of viscous blackened blood, almost like toxic sludge. It pushed its teeth back into place and kept one hand over the brutalized eye, afraid it would fall out. With its one good eye, it focused on Bill. It wasn't smiling anymore. Bill wasted no time as he gathered the last of his remaining stamina to run. He was so tired that he ignored the alleys and instead ran wherever he could manage. His body had given up. It wanted him to get caught so that he could rest. Bill took advantage of the blind spot that he'd created and made a sharp turn that would cause the creature to temporarily lose track of him. It was a smart move, so he thought. He had to stop. He tried running, now it was time to hide. Bill crawled into a nearby car, parked next to a series of semi-detached houses. Like a spider trying not to be squished, he scurried across the stone ground beneath him to find solace from his stalker. There, Bill would take refuge. He waited however long it took for him to be sure it was safe. If necessary, he would wait till the sun rose and the streets filled with cars and people to defend him. It had been a while now. It was quiet. Quiet enough for Bill to hear exactly how close the creature was when near the car where he hid. And it wasn't far behind, despite its impairment. Bill's mind played tricks on him. He swore he could hear it coming from two directions, as if it was surrounding him, closing in on him. And that's when it happened. Warm blood squirted and spilled across the pavement. The gutter greedily gulped each drop as it gushed from the wound that the creature dug with its fingers alone. Bill looked at the blood, horrified. He felt like he would be violently ill there and then, and he might have, if it weren't for the fact that it would give him away. He was still alive. In fact, he was fine. Not a scratch on him. Bill wasn't hearing things earlier. There were indeed footsteps in the other direction. They belonged to a young woman about Bill's age, coming home late, hoping to slip back into bed before her mother had discovered a late-night trip to the library. That's when she caught the eye of what, to her, looked like a poor old lady hobbling towards her, crying tears of, wait, those weren't tears. As it stood next to her, it raised its head to reveal the grim truth, mesmerizing the girl with its serpentine eyes. Before she could scream, she would find its nails already digging through her stomach and its teeth grasping at a windpipe. The poor girl couldn't even whisper a cry for help as the blood pooled in her throat. She sounded as if she was screaming underwater. The creature leapt onto the girl, dropping her to the ground. Bill tried not to look, hoping to remain unnoticed, but a familiar face called out to him. It was her. The girl from all those years ago, from primary school, Sally Tones. He could see the smug look on her face even now, even while choking in her own fluids. To Bill, she still looked smug. Bill had some real issues. Night eased into morning as the dark was met with the warm embrace of the sun. 
Bill noticed the creature's skin sizzle like chicken in a frying pan, as it did. The thing held onto the girl by her neck and galloped on its hands and knees back in the direction of Uncle Jacob's house to escape the poisonous touch of the sun's rays. Bill lay under the car, troubled, struggling over the idea of returning to the house to make things right. Uncle Jacob wouldn't be pleased that he forgot to lock the door, as well as the whole Sally situation. A dead girl in Uncle's house wouldn't be exactly ideal, even if it was Sally Tones. Bill rolled from underneath the car and sprung to his feet. He ran down the street and made his way to his uncle's house, racing the sun that made its way across the sky. Soon he was outside that old death trap and the realisation hit him. How the hell was he going to stop this thing? A brick to the face didn't exactly stop it from chasing him. It certainly would have dissuaded him. How could he stop it from making a meal out of Sally? The creature had returned to the cave of the basement with Sally who was still choking through desperate cries, like a flickering light trying to stay on. Bill entered the house and saw the door of the basement shut, those few cracks in its wood letting through the sound of pain ripping through Sally and the panting of the creature's foul breath which scented the premises. Bill thought back to how the sunlight started to cook the creature, which must have been why it ran back to the house. If he opened the curtains and busted the door down like some sort of action man saving the day, he knew that it probably wouldn't help. Sally would probably be dead, and his uncle would be terribly angry that Bill killed his... his pet? Whatever it was. Bill wrestled with the idea and thought it best to do what he always did in situations like these. Not that he'd ever been in a situation like this. He took out a coin and flipped it onto his hand. Heads, he kills the thing. Tails, he goes home and takes a long nap and maybe watches Adventure Time when he wakes up. The coin landed on heads. Damn. Bill pulled away all the curtains around the house and let every odd trinket glow in the light of the sun. The purity of its light poured through the cracks in the basement door, but this wasn't enough. Bill took a long step back and ran into the door, shoulder first, forgetting the door's lock had already been broken. He burst into the room with a wave of light flooding in behind him, crashing onto the creature which squinted and shrieked, separating it from the bloody pulp that was Sally. The creature's skin scorched and bubbled, the heat stung Bill who quickly rolled it from under him. It looked at Bill as it croaked in pain. <laughs> Will? Will? Who was who Will? Who the hell is Will? Oh. I, I think you mean Bill. Bill remembered his Aunt Clarice, who would always call him Will. Despite being constantly corrected by Bill numerous times, Aunt Clarice was like that one relative you might have that refuses to remember that you're a boy and buys you Barbie dolls every Christmas. The creature's voice faded as it continued to bake in the sunlight, patches of red bursting through its grey skin. A painful grumble echoed from the dead thing's belly. The creature's mouth was gauzed as if it was stuffing its face with large helpings of food Except, it was the other way around, something was coming out, it was too thick to be vomit. It slowly slid through the creature's throat and down its chin onto its chest. What looked like a black snake, or a worm, curled itself onto the chest of the creature which began to desiccate and crumble into dust and ash. The little thing looked up at Bill. It reminded him of Vlad. This thing must have been what kept his aunt alive since her accident. Uncle Jacob had tried to resurrect her like one of his trinkets. The serpent slowly crawled through the remains. To Bill's bewilderment, he saw the slimy little thing approaching Sally. Bill had almost forgotten about her. Sally was still alive, but just barely. She had lost a lot of blood and would probably die. And if Bill called an ambulance and by some miracle she survived, who knows what she would tell the authorities. It would not have been good for his uncle, which meant it would not have been good for him. Bill noticed Sally had black hair. His aunt had black hair. The creature had black hair. Remembering the creature's face, Bill could hardly distinguish her as his aunt, or anyone for that matter. 
The scarring and the defamations made her look like any old Jane Doe. Bill closed the door of the basement shut. He grabbed the worm as it wriggled between his fingers. Uncle Jacob would be immensely angry if Bill didn't do it. He, he would have done it too. He didn't believe in wasting anything, remember? Besides, Bill did it just right. Uncle Jacob wouldn't even need to know. Bill convinced himself it was not cruel. He wouldn't tell the other kids. No, he wasn't like her. Who's the worm-eating freak now? <laughs> the scarring was easy to replicate. It was the eyes that gave him the most trouble. But a few minutes with a spoon and a hammer soon fixed even that. Bill felt like Michelangelo crafting David only with flesh instead of stone. The serpent inside of Sally rose itself from the floor as it peered at Bill through her eyes with admiration. Bill sort of preferred her this way. He looked back at her and smiled, looking ever so smug. I hope you enjoyed this first story. I wrote it not too long ago when I rediscovered the joy of writing short fiction. Though many of the naiveties of a young writer stand out, I wanted to share it anyway and take you on a journey as I develop as a writer and improve. I'm a young writer aged 20 years old from Britain and I usually just write whatever I find entertains me. If this entertains you, please rate this podcast and share it with anyone you might think will enjoy it. The music in this episode, including the main theme, was produced by Sofrozine Music. You can find more amazing music by them on their SoundCloud. If you'd like to support the show, visit our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and Tumblr, where you can also find text versions of each story. If you want to further support the show so that I can write and produce episodes more quickly, feel free to visit our Patreon, where there are also rewards for contribution tiers. Any support is very much appreciated. If you would like to contact the show, send in any real-life scary stories, or send in any fan art that we could post to the Instagram, or submit any original music for the show to use, or if you just want to say hi, you can email us at dreadcastaudio at gmail.com. All original content will be credited, or if you wish to remain anonymous, please let us know. All links can be found in the description. A big thank you to everyone who encouraged me to share my writing and help to support the show. And thank you for listening.